Hey everybody, welcome to Podcast 49. I talk about games that might be a little bit older, and I talk about retro gaming, and I went to see the launch event for the new NVIDIA Series 6, so I'll talk about that a little bit. Enjoy the show! One thing that's come up lately is that I spend a lot of time at the restaurant. Readers of Epic Fail will probably know that. And at the restaurant, they have reliable internet. Or, you know, when it goes out, I tell people, Hey, it's down! Help, help, help! And I've actually trained, you know, a few of the people there on how to reset it. So, pretty much at any given time, there's always somebody on that knows how to reset it for me. Anyways, as such, I said to myself, I said, Self, um, you're always on the internet now. When you're at a time, you can game. Why don't we go ahead and load up Bioshock 2 and try and play through that again? So I did that a couple of weeks ago, and I probably haven't played more than half an hour since then. I'm beginning to wonder if it's too late. Once upon a time, I was really, really excited to play the game, and I I had to wait, and I had to wait, and I had to wait, because I didn't have a gaming system. And then I got the game, and, you know, I I was staying somewhere, and then I lost where I was staying, so again, you know, I had to wait, and I wait, wait, and wait, and wait. And then when I finally did have, you know, my laptop that I could play on, I tried to install it. And it had those issues where it it wouldn't, you know, play offline, as it were. So I just kind of set it aside, and it had some startup issues as well. So that kind of frustrated me. So I'm wondering now if, you know, it's been so long since I've had it and, you know, tried to play it before, and now it's like I'm playing it. I'm just wondering if I'm just not into it. It's a very cool game. I like it very much. You know, it is a continuation of the first one. It seems very similar from what I have played. The third one is on the way, um, I think later this year. Looks very cool, very different. It's taking place on airships instead of underwater. So it's kind of a, a different story. And I wonder, too, if that might be part of it. Because it's not continuing the story in the sense that, you know, it's not the same underwater area and it's different characters. So it's kind of sort of a different game, just with, you know, the same basic premise of, you know, the Bioshockness. But I'm wondering kind of why it is that I'm not really interested in playing, why I'm not very into it, you know, aside from having other cool things to play. Back in the day, quite a long time ago, when I was, you know, living in an apartment, and I had friends, and I had a console, and we would go rent console games now and then and play together and, you know, rent games and play by myself. Back then, I used to get games that weren't new all the time. Primarily because, you know, finding a new game was really difficult back then. I don't know about now, but it was really difficult to find something to rent when it was, you know, around launch time because pretty much all the copies were always grabbed up. So I was just kind of always used to getting something that was a little bit older. But now, I don't know. Like I said, I'm just not really interested in it, and I'm not really entirely sure why that is. I'm wondering if maybe part of it is because I don't have anyone else around me that's actually playing the game right now. Part of the fun for me in games is talking about the games, talking about your experience with the games, you know, sharing them with, you know, your friends and other people. Since nobody I know is currently playing the game, 
you know, there's no hype as it were. There's nothing to share. There's nothing to talk about. So I wonder if maybe that is part of it. Because older games, like say an MMOG, you know, people are still playing it. It doesn't really matter if you missed launch or you came in later or you were there at launch. You know, if you have people in there that are playing that you're going to play with, I think that that makes it sort of timeless. And it doesn't really matter if it's older or not. A few other games I've picked up lately that were, you know, older. I picked up Portal 2 a little bit after launch. Pretty much everybody had spoiled the poop out of it by the time I got to it. But I had a lot of fun with it. You know, it wasn't quite as fun, though, I think, because of that same thing. Everybody had stopped talking about it by the time I got to it. You know, a few things were spoiled. They didn't really matter. But I did have sort of a a hesitation to really rush and really play it and be like, Oh my god, this is so amazing. I mean, it was an amazing game. It's a great game. One of the best villainesses, probably, of any game or even in lore in general. An awesome story and a fun playthrough. But was I as hardcore addicted to it as, you know, as you could say, as I would have been if I would have been there at launch? I don't know. I think I did play it a little bit more casually and a little bit more relaxed, and I don't think I kind of cared how fast or or how maybe completely I was playing. Because again, I, I didn't have anyone else to share it with. I didn't have anyone to talk about, you know, what I was doing or how they were doing. You know, there was somebody else that was playing, you know, behind, and he was asking me questions about how I finished a particular level. He played it a little bit after me, so I did get to talk about it and share it a little bit. Lost Winds is a similar situation where it came out with the Wii when it launched, way back in 2008, I believe. That's kind of a funny story that I had entered a contest in May, and I actually won a Wii for free. And it arrived a few months later in August on my birthday. Lost Winds was one of the few titles out for the Wii at the time. And it was actually one of the only ones that you could actually download and get, you know, not in a physical copy. It's a fun, cute little game where you're playing a guy. And it's basically a a geographical puzzle game, I guess I could call it. You can look up all kinds of videos, you know, on the internet if you are curious to see it. But this happened roughly nine months or so before I became homeless. And it launched at 15, 15 or 20 bucks, I think, so it was pretty expensive at launch. So I'm like, you know, that's pretty expensive. I'm having some rough times right now. I'll just kind of pass and pick it up later. And then the time before I became homeless, I never picked it up, and so I just kind of forgot about it for a while. It recently came out for the iOS, so I paid the 5 bucks to get it on my phone. And same kind of thing. I played for like an hour, and then, uh, you know, just one session, and then I kind of put it down. I said, okay, I'll play it some more later. And I've not gone back to it. It's been a few weeks and I I have yet to go back and play it again. It's not that I'm really any less interested in the game, but I do think it's because, you know, it's a single player game. So I'll be like, you know, I'll play it and then I'll finish it. And then it'll just be like, yeah, I played that. It's not like I have any, you know, friends to talk about and share with and be like, oh man, I'm so stuck on this one place. And someone could be like, oh, have you have you seen this or this? And I'm like, oh, you know, no, I haven't. That would totally solve my problem. You know, there's nobody in my life, you know, to share it with, as it were. So I think, uh, you know, again, in this case, it's resulted in sort of a diminished interest, I guess I could say. I just haven't gone back. But I wonder, is this a case of me, you know, just getting older, as it were, and changing? Or is it really a case of I really need people to share my games with to really enjoy them as much as I could. And if I don't have people to share them with, you know, is it really worth getting them late? 
I do wonder. There are, you know, several games on my wish list that are older games that I haven't gotten that I don't have an overwhelming desire to get. I could, in theory, as example, buy two of the older games I missed out on, or one new game, and I pretty much always opt for the one new game. Is it because it's new, or is it because I have nobody to share those old games with, and it would just be playing, you know, by myself? You know, these single-player games are single-player, so you are playing them with yourself, unless, you know, you live with somebody or, you know, like I said, you have someone that you talk to regularly. But outside of that, if you are playing them, you know, alone, as it were, does it really matter that you get them at launch or later? I think probably most people get them a little bit later, you know, to save a little money or, you know, wait until it's half off. But does that diminish your experience and your interest level? I don't know. I can't answer that for you. But I think the answer for me is maybe it does. Another odd thing is that the Midway Arcade, which it, it comes out every now and then, pretty much basically for any console or device that comes out, they'll, they'll publish a new version of this. But the Midway Arcade has all of these old school games that basically I spent hundreds of bucks of my dad's money on when I was, you know, smaller in my teens. And it recently came out for the iDevice, and I paid, you know, like a buck to get it, I think. And it has some really awesome games. I, I had to pick you know, a couple bucks more to unlock some of the cooler games that I played that I like, you know, in that set. There's Joust and Gauntlet and Spy Hunter and Wizard of War and all these games that I played tons and tons and tons when I was young. Similar to the games I talked about in the previous section, I played for maybe an hour or two. And granted, part of this is because there really aren't any controls on the iDevice, so it's really annoying to play games on there that are, you know stick-driven games, I guess you could say. But it's like, I played that one time, and I haven't gone back to play more yet. I think, though, in the case of retro gaming, at least for me, I think part of it is, you know, there's this strong bond you have at a certain point in your childhood, and you want to sort of, you know, be reminded of or relive those happier times. But, you know, I am a different person now. Games are very different now. You know, they're a lot more complicated. There's graphics are like, you know, that many billion times better. And I think part of it too is that these are, you know, timeless things unless they're updated. And it's like, you know, I, I play them and I remember them and I go, yeah, this is exactly how I remember it. But the experience, you know, it's not what I remember because the experience was me being a teenager playing with my friends in the arcade. And now, you know, it's me as an adult playing it, you know, by myself, you know, with nobody to share it with pretty much. And I think that makes for a very different experience because, you know, I have played it so much before and I'm playing, you know, the same thing now that I did before, just, you know, sort of reliving my past, but it's a past that I remember and the game is unchanged. On the other hand, you know, retro classics which are updated can be really awesome and fun. As one example that probably everybody knows, 
there's this little game that involves upset avians and some green swine who they hate. Angry birds. And this is pretty much a copy of Artillery. But this is a game that, you know, way, way, way back in the early days of gaming, this was one of the first games that came out. And we actually programmed this game in, you know, my programming class club thing when I was sort of, I think, in my mid mid-teens, maybe later teens, it was. But basically what it was was you had this, you know, square block with a stick coming out of it. And there was this, you know, hill in between you and a guy with another stick and a block. And there was some wind that would blow one direction or the other, you know, each game. And sometimes the wind would change. But basically you were trying to shoot this bullet and, you know, blow the poop out of the other guy and you get a point. You know, Angry Birds is basically, you know, a modernized version of that. You know, a lot cooler. They got some silliness going on that's very funny. You know, at its core, it's pretty much an old school game. And so I think, you know, some of the older school games that I may have played in my youth that are, you know, modern and updated can be really fun and cool. Another example is Super Stardust HD. Uh, The name may vary on different systems, but that's what it is on the PlayStation 3. It's also out on the PlayStation Vita. But again, you know, that's another game that's been updated. It's basically just Asteroids times 11 billion. But it's, you know, an old school game that was really cool that was updated, you know, and made better because it's, you know, got all this new stuff going on. Does retro gaming mean the same thing to everybody? I don't know. You know, it's it's a big question because a lot of the retro gaming does stay the exact same. You know, otherwise it's not quite retro. It's, you know... uh update or a redoing but there's a lot of older style games that i think have been forgotten along the wayside like the graphic adventure games i haven't seen one of those in quite a long time there used to be a few games that were you know just kind of exploration based that i haven't seen a game like that in a really long time there is one called dear escher i think it is and that's basically the same kind of exploration game but apparently it only has like two hours of playthrough But there are randomizations, so you don't always see the same story each playthrough. You might see a different story. That's the only one I've heard about that's exploration-based in, God, I don't even know how long. It's been years and years and years and years. So I don't know if there's really a point to this, other than, uh, you know, retro gaming might mean different things to different people. But if there were a side point for developers, it might be, you know, look to our past. Look to your youth. Think about, you know, the games that you had fun with that you don't see around anymore. Is there really a reason why we don't see these around anymore? Is there really not a marketplace for it? Or is it just that people aren't marketing towards that group anymore? I think a lot of it is that it's just there's several forgotten genres, as it were, and I think nobody's making any games towards them. And in the future, will these games come back? I don't know. There is a certain very popular company that is, you know, doing a graphic adventure. And they had a huge, you know, outpouring of help to get the funds to do so. So, um, you know, we may see that in the near future and others may follow. I don't know. Wake me up before you go, go. Don't leave me hanging on like a yo-yo. Wake me up before you go, go. I don't want to miss it when you hit that high. Wake me up.
I got a chance to go to the NVIDIA GeForce GTX meetup number one. And it was basically just a launch party for the Series 6. Specifically the GTX 680 for desktop. And they didn't say which chip was in the laptop that they showed off. But there was a 6 series in there. The only really super awesome thing that they showed off there that they had not shown off on, you know, reviews and YouTube videos was there was a Borderlands 2 video that used physics and some of the, the effects were pretty cool looking. They, however, did not state if the physics being used was software based or if it required hardware acceleration in order to run it. I'm hoping it's going to be software based and that everybody can have it, you know, maybe on a lower setting. But some of those effects did make me wonder, hmm, you know, those look like really high level effects. They might require, you know, hardware acceleration to run it, which means you would need an NVIDIA chip. And it would probably have to be, a, you know, a moderate to higher end one in order to, you know, run them at full levels. It did look like they were kind of mixed into the game pretty heavily. So I would think that they would allow, you know, software running only just at a lower level. But I guess we'll see. Um, maybe there will be more announcements about that in the future. And I chatted with one of the engineers about the 3D vision technology. And this is kind of a, a bit hard to say in a podcast because, you know, the 3D vision is something you really kind of have to experience for yourself. I can't do pictures because, you know, you're looking at them on a not 3D screen. So there's no point. And it's really kind of hard to describe, you know, how 3D looks. It's just one of those concepts that's really difficult to do. But I can say that the 3D Vision 2 stuff looks really awesome. The 3D Vision 1 stuff had some limitations. And it kind of looked like you were putting on really dark sunglasses because the brightness of all of the games and stuff took a big hit. But the Vision 2 compatible monitors clear that up. And, you know, it looks just as bright and good in terms of clarity and brightness as not running 3D. One of the more interesting things about the conversation I had with the engineer was that he stated that the 3D software doesn't really care what the monitor is doing. It will split it into, you know, the 3D layers appropriately. And that the biggest problem in terms of cost that's holding back the 3D technology is the monitor technology itself. I guess, you know, even at his level of engineering, even he didn't know, you know, what was exactly required for monitors to come down in costs. Just that right now the technology isn't all that great in terms of cost effectiveness. So it's still pretty expensive to build a 3D compatible monitor. Whether that's, you know, active style with glasses or passive style, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's still very expensive. So I guess that's the biggest hurdle right now that they're still facing and have faced for several years. Would I recommend the 3D Vision 2 tech? I really don't know. I would say it's very cool. But at the same time, I would say if a person could only afford either NVIDIA 3D Vision 2 or triple monitor, I would say that they should probably just go triple monitor because triple monitor is very awesome and it expands your view and, you know, they both give you more than you would see otherwise. But I think the perspective of triple monitor, you know, the wider vision is probably a lot more important for gaming than 3D. Because 3D is not going to help you perform better in shooters. It's just going to, you know, add some flavor, I guess you could say. Whereas a wider field of view means that you're, you know, in shooting games, you'll be rotating less because you don't need to rotate as far to see as much. And in terms of, you know, MMOGs, 
Triple monitor is very important because it gives you a higher situational awareness of where the bad guys are, where your group mates are. You know, and as a tank or healer, that's particularly important. So 3D, you know, it doesn't matter if you see in 3D or not. That's not really going to change how you play when you're talking about a single monitor 3D versus a single monitor 2D. But, you know, something with triple monitor versus single monitor, you know, you're getting a big, huge bonus there. I posted up lots of videos and people can check them out. And one of my videos, the Borderlands 2 video, actually got linked by an official site. I haven't heard of them before, but they are physicsinfo.com. And so that was pretty cool. I thought, you know, somebody, I guess, appreciated my efforts, as it were. And so that was cool to see. So if you're curious about what the event was like, you can check out my videos on my YouTube channel at rabbit.com. And that's, you know, actually D-O-T. So it's all letters. And I guess that's it. talk about the Mass Effect 3 ending a little bit. I'm not going to go into it in super depth because a lot of sites, you know, go over it in pretty heavy detail. And a lot of people have put forth some really awesome arguments in, you know, there's no point in me basically repeating what a lot of people have said. But I may say some spoilery type stuff. So if you have not finished the single player game and you plan to do so in the next, I don't know, six months or however long you think it might take you to forget what I have said... I would recommend you skip ahead and, uh, you know, not listen to this section and maybe listen to it later. If you want to avoid any potential spoilers, fast forward to 27 minutes and 20 seconds. And then, uh, you know, that will be the start of the next section. One of the biggest complaints about the Mass Effect 3 single player ending is that people are very upset that basically the whole series ends in effectively what is an A, B, or C choice. And choice A, B, or C are effectively the exact same thing. I would agree with people in that they should be, you know, different endings. There should be a difference for picking option A, option B, and option C. I mean, we have to admit that we're all going to still be kind of upset that it is at an end. And, that you know, choice A, B, and C are, you know, the end of it. And that's it. But I would agree that I think, you know, there should be some difference in terms of what you get at the end as opposed to... You know, just try la la, everybody gets the same thing. I would also agree there is some odd discontinuity in that a few of the characters are shown, you know, either doing things that are not in their character or that they were in places that maybe they shouldn't have been. Like it didn't happen in my game, but I've heard tell in some people's games, they're, you know, shown a character doing something and it's like the character was just with them you know, a few minutes before in the game. So it's like, how did the character get from there to there? That doesn't make any sense. So I would agree that, you know, if they do change the ending, which I'm sure they probably will at least a little bit, but I absolutely agree, you know, that kind of discontinuity should be cleared up. I think what they will do absolutely in terms of response to all of the uproar that people are having about the game is I absolutely think they will change it slightly, at least a little bit in that they will probably make it so that your characters, your companion characters, 
we'll actually have you know a little bit a different story at the end because right now they basically all have the same story for the you know two or three characters you actually get to see and I think what they'll probably do is throw in you know maybe half a dozen characters and they'll they'll show you what's going on with them after it's all over based on you know the choices and your relationship levels and I think that would probably be enough to be pretty cool though you know like I said I would like to see some kind of bigger difference in the ending and I think this is really a critical point that we have to not forget is that I think a lot of people are really upset about the endings because they don't get that closure with their companion characters. This is like a really huge deal in gaming that people are getting upset that they don't know what happens to these people who have become their friends and their lovers and their allies over the last, you know, five years. And then we get to the end of the game and they don't know what happens to them. Everybody is in such a big uproar about it. And yet, I don't think they quite realize just how important of a step in terms of, you know, gaming evolution this is. Yeah, there are other gaming series that have come before this one where the characters were really awesome and people had, you know, huge followings for them. And, you know, there's a lot of extra content built around the game for those characters. But I think Mass Effect 3 in particular has hit people really, really hard and in a much greater scale than previous games have done. And I think sort of, you know, for that reason, people really need to acknowledge just how much of a huge leap forward this is in terms of gaming. If you take a look at the Epic Games Samaritan demo, we are getting really, really close in terms of what we can do graphically and what we can do in a game compared to, like, say, what you see in a movie and in terms of you know story and writing in a movie and so I think people might be starting to expect a sort of movie quality and level of detail and and you know story writing in their games and again you know I think this is just a big step forward that's both positive and negative you know I'm really looking forward to games in the future that follow you know this level of detail and you know we're going to get there because we're getting there really quickly but I suppose in a way you know part of me misses you know the older days where if there was a bad ending to a game you'd just be like meh the ending was bad but the rest of the game was awesome and I think a lot of people are ignoring the fact that you know you played these three games and you've probably put in you know easily a hundred plus hours of the game you know and so the last five or so minutes of the game are bad you don't have to fixate on that. I mean, the rest of the story is still awesome. The rest of the game is still awesome. Some of us really love, you know, the multiplayer co-op game. And, you know, that could go on who knows how long. So I think it is really, you know, awesome that people feel this moved by a game and, you know, what they've done over the years in terms of, you know, forming friendships and, you know, virtual loved ones, as it were. And I think people need to not forget just how important that is in terms of gaming evolution. So that's it for another Rabbit's Ramblings podcast. And again, in a week, I've come up with a bunch of rambly stuff to talk about that hopefully entertained you. There's no Pirate's Treasure. Hasn't been for quite a while. 
I think the last time was when people wanted to send some money to help me get a car. And um, that still hasn't happened yet. People are still being dumb. But I'm, you know, doing okay in money. I'm not super worried about anything. So it would be nice to get some appreciation. But, you know, it's not critical. I'm okay. I can't think of anything else to talk about. Things are just kind of meh in my life. Uh, playing online with my friends still. So that's super fun. But in terms of gaming news, there's not really anything else changing, I don't think, for a while. I don't think I have any games coming along for potentially like a month or two maybe. There's nothing really coming along soon that I'm looking forward to playing. So hopefully I'll still have some stuff to talk about in the future. And of course, if you guys have any ideas or questions or topics, um, you know, send them in and ask. So I guess that's it for this time. And hopefully I will see everybody next time. And maybe future people won't even have to worry about these spoilers in the Mass Effect 3 section. Because by the time they get to the ending, maybe it will be different. Who knows? Hopefully I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. So I would think that they, you know, do, would, bleh. whereas a wilder, whereas a wild, bleh. I'm not capable of that emotion. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash Rabbits Ramblings dot HTML. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit dot com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit dot com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbit dot com. It's rabbit dot com, but with not a period. When you type Rabbits Ramblings, don't use the space. And be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2012 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.